Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to my podcast, When Anxious Kids Grow Up, Where Do They Go? I am your host, Natalie, Nat, naturally Ryan. You know I go by all three, and today, today I am streaming on Twitch. Um, you can go follow me on Twitch at Naturally Ryan if you want to watch these things recorded. Right now, the camera is uncomfortably close to my face, and you can also see my messy, messy closet, so you get to know a little bit more about me. Um, what What's going on in life? What's the topic for today? Well, I'm going to give you guys some life updates because there have been a lot, and I do mean a lot. Like, there's, this week has been incredibly lucky and also absolutely terrifying. <laughs> and I am going to talk about white collar crime because I want to. Uh, I'm going to move my camera real quick, so give me just a moment. You might hear some clamoring. That's a whole new angle. <laughs> All right, beautiful. Okay, so um, today's podcast, yes, it's just all about the random things that have been going on. Let me fill you in on some stuff. So first of all, I um, have had a lot of really good things happen this week, which is the craziest thing, is that I've actually had some super good, like super awesome things happen. Um, the first one on Sunday last week, well, like this week to last week, um, I had an audition virtually for a music live streaming service that's kind of like Twitch, except it's only for musicians. So people go in and they watch you perform and then they give you money if they like you. Um, and that's the whole thing. It's called Sessions Live and I was terrified to do this audition because um, I had to like get my streaming setup down and then I had to sing songs, like the ones that were important to me. Um, and I felt that I totally failed the audition because my streaming died in the middle of the audition. Uh, and no, I didn't. I got in. I got in. And so now I'm an artist for that site, which is really cool. And you can go follow me there on sessionslive.com if you look up Natalie Ryan. That's... It's me, um, <laughs> but it is also in its infancy. I don't know how much I'm going to stick with that because something kind of weird happened that makes me think it might not be as legitimate as I once thought. I had a Zoom meeting with someone named Nate, and it was supposed to be like an onboarding meeting where it was like, hey, like, welcome to the site. Here's how you do things. Here are the rules. Um, and then at the very last minute, literally at the moment I was supposed to enter the meeting, it was canceled and it was changed to someone named Chantel, and then that was also canceled. So I'm just really suspicious of whatever's going on. I don't understand why that happened. I don't get it at all. But it did. And so I am a little lost. I mean, I what, like what? Eh, I don't really care too much. Um, I'll probably be more focused on making music for my YouTube channel anyway. So it's kind of just like a little victory for me to go. Yeah, I can do it. Um, <laughs> And then the next thing that happened this week is I was contacted by someone who works for the national organization that runs the place that gives me a job. Um, and they said, hey, well, one lady that I know said, hey, and she's like an absolute state. I love this woman. And she's like, um, I think that you would really like to apply for this. And I was like, okay, what is it? And she's like, just look at the information. And I was like, okay, it's a fellowship. And what a fellowship is, is essentially you get money for helping to participate in academic research of some kind. Um, and sometimes it's for scholarships where like they have to go to tuition, they have to go to certain things. And then other times fellowships are just like, here's a bunch of money, give us six months of your life. And I'm like, okay, like, cool. I've never been a part of a fellowship. I've never had the opportunity to. And um, this is a fellowship that would give me $35,000, which is a life-changing amount of money that could pay for all of my college and I would have no debt. 
wow. Like, I still cannot believe this is real. Well, next week I have my interview with the staff who are selecting who actually gets the fellowship, and I'm really nervous, but I'm also really excited because I got a response really quickly after submitting my application. Um, and the research that I'd be doing would help to impact legislation at a national level, so like, that's a party. And then the third thing that happened this week that was really cool is, um, so the Korean Cultural Center of Los Angeles and also a Korea.net, which is like a cultural exchange website for uh, Korea and the rest of the world. And so it, it really is a place that uh, people, especially once they move to Korea, if they immigrate to Korea, uh, it's like kind of the first place where you get an overview of Korean history and you get, you get information about like you know, just general, like, customs in Korea and that sort of stuff. So it's, it's a really cool website. Um, well, they had a contest, and the contest was basically like, hey, uh, do you like Korean culture? Are you a YouTuber? And I was like, well, yes and yes. Come on. Um, <laughs> oh, I look like such an old woman on my camera. Um, and so I was like, okay, cool, what is this about? And I looked into it, and essentially this contest is, um, you submit an application, you submit a video about yourself if you're a YouTuber and you say, here's my channel, here are the videos I've made, um, look at them, and then they say, okay, cool, uh, we either like you or we don't like you, and you get to take, like, a YouTube crash course on how to make a sustainable channel, and the videos that you make for the Korean Cultural Center will be posted on their channel that has thousands of subscribers, and many of the people who have been through this program, because I thought this sounded too good to be true, um, they have amassed like huge audiences by making this stuff. And so the introduction video, they wanted you to talk about yourself and just be yourself and just hang out. Um, and then also talk about what ideas you would have for a, a channel based on some element of Korean culture. And so I chose K-pop, but also not. Um, <laughs> I have this idea where, so I'm really obsessed with how music evolves and the idea of music starting as one thing and then slowly creating new genres. and. Korea has a very interesting history, and so I have always wondered how did we go from like Korean music that was that was very like folk based like trot to these these like K R and B and K hip hop artists like where did those transitions happen? How did we get here? And so I would want to do overviews of each genre that um, Korea has kind of amassed into its culture, and then like expand on that and kind of show where it's different from other uh, musical genres globally because it is different and um i also talked about in this video i was like if there had been a an international following not just in europe for eurovision but globally for eurovision i would have been doing a eurovision youtube channel at 12 years old because i was obsessed with eurovision i still love eurovision shout out to alexander ryback my man i love him so anyway um, I explained like why I'm so passionate about music, the fact I'm a music student at university, like all of these things. And then the next like portion of it was writing up uh, some answers to some interview questions, which wasn't hard. It was just time consuming. Um, I got it done, sent in the sent in the actual uh, video, and then I got an email in like two days, which was super fast in my opinion because I don't long video and they they said yes we we loved what you did we loved your enthusiasm please join us for this and i was like okay <laughs> and the reason that this is such a, a really big deal is um if you stick with the project and you get to a certain point you will be invited to go on a trip to south korea which is so cool to me uh because i am a huge fan of k-pop i my favorite group is 17, I love and adore them, and I will talk about them till I die. I absolutely love them. And so, like, this is 
giving me a platform for my YouTube channel to create content. It's helping me be more guided and focused in what I want to make. And it's letting me like have fun with it and kind of take the ideas that I already had, but have a bigger platform for them, which is so cool. So yeah, three really crazy things happened this week. <sighs> I still can't get over it. Like those, I've just been incredibly lucky. I've been so incredibly lucky this week. I don't even, I don't even know. <laughs> it's, it's like I, I said these things and I put them out to the universe and then they, they suddenly came true and it's, it's still baffling to me. I can't get over it. But um, yeah, so life's, life is going, going pretty well. Um, yes, and. It's just been it's just been really good. Um, I've gotten to talk a lot to my friends this week, which has been really nice, and we've just been able to to, can, to hang out over Discord like like you know we usually would, which is crazy because we haven't been able to do that for a long, long time. Um, and yeah, <laughs> I don't know how much I'm going to be streaming on Twitch outside of the podcast thing because the podcast uh, once I finish up my gap year for my university um, and everything gets graded, I'm going to not really be as like, the podcast will be something I keep up doing, but it may not be as consistent as a new episode every week because I will be a busy lady and I will also have work. Um, right now I'm working 20 hours a week, but it's all from home and then I will continue doing that because I go from planning one conference to immediately planning another conference. So good job on me for figuring out a work-life balance. And by that, I mean I have not figured out one at all, um, but that's okay. So today we are talking about white collar crime, and the reason we're talking about white collar crime is I know this has nothing to do with anxiety, but uh, it ties in, it ties in, I promise. So I am low-key obsessed with white collar crime. Not that I would ever commit a crime, because it's wrong and it's bad, but I think it is so crazy how there can be these these massive scandals happening in the institutions that we all trust and rely on. And I've been watching a lot of Netflix documentaries. Um, one of them was Murder Among the Mormons, which was so weird because growing up in Utah, like I recognized these places and I was like, what the hell's going on here? Um, so like that was definitely a white collar crime thing that was really interesting. And then right after, like Tiger King, wasn't really white collar crime, but it also wasn't not white collar crime because there was like embezzlement and there were things that were bad, but they were happening under the surface. Like that's kind of what kicks kicked this off. Um, and then I watched something about Tammy Faye Baker and her husband's name, who I absolutely hate, but he was also a baker and he was a televangelist and he was a horrible, horrible person. Um, and then there's been this one that's haunting me that I haven't started yet about art heists. And wow, <laughs> I just, I find it so intriguing when crimes can be committed in these places that are seemingly inaccessible to people who aren't the mega rich. Um, all of these things getting passed around and people not knowing about it, that is so intriguing to me. Uh, another one, I don't know if it's on Hulu anymore, but it was, and it was called McMillions, and it was about the McDonald's scandal with the uh, Monopoly game, and how basically I think like eight to ten of the winners were completely rigged and they were all within like the same crime families or there were people who had connections to them. It was so... it was whack. And, and so, yes, I'm here to talk about why I find white collar crime so interesting. And I think it's it's so interesting because generally the people being, who are the victims are not... it's not a murder where you, you see that there's this person who gets killed. It's like in white collar crime, generally it's when these these companies, these corporations lose billions of dollars, or or there are people who, who get rich from being able to create a piece of art that is so similar to the original that they can't be 
like separated from one another. They can't be distinguished from one another. Or in the case of like televangelists, which there have been many scandals about televangelists, um, there is this this faith in God that these people exploit, and it's disgusting. But it's also just so intriguing because how do you even sit down and come up with this? I think that's why white collar crime is so intriguing to me. It's like, how do you even think out all of these elements and get it done? Um, and the reason that this has anything to do with an anxiety disorder is because we are going to be talking about hyperfixations on top of the white collar crime. So for those of you who don't know or who haven't had necessarily the best definition of a hyperfixation, hyperfixations are like very very short-lived but um, very intense interests in a subject uh, can be very common amongst people with generalized anxiety disorder, uh, ADHD, some people with um, autism, they can they can develop these these very specialized interests and they can be very niche or very broad. but the the thing that really, kind of keeps people grounded in it is the fact that it is a very intense need to understand everything about it. And so it's it's very um it can be very short-lived or it can last for like months or years. I've had some that have last lasted pretty long. Um but it is different among different uh people with different different mental health issues. Like, I know people with anxiety who say they hyperfixate on things because it helps ground them to something that they can go back to and, like, use it as an anchor. Um, which is where, like, the idea of binge-watching, even though that's become kind of a common thing, like, binge-watching, especially series that you have seen over and over again, it's almost like a safety mechanism for people with anxiety disorders because you know how it's gonna end. There's no surprise. You don't have to feel the peril of the other characters and not knowing how things are gonna turn out. You know exactly what you're in store for. It's all just a matter of watching it one more time and knowing things are going to be okay in the end. Um, people with ADHD, it is different because there have been... I know people with ADHD who have described it as being physically unable to divert your attention from that subject. Or um, uh, people with autism have, have talked about like it can be really, really hard because they'll bring it up at times that are not necessarily the most appropriate. And so they can really... Um, they can really feel like they are interjecting and people don't really care about what they're saying and it can be really really difficult to have these interests especially as they get more and more niche um to to show off that love to the world in a way that the world will also accept so it's all different different flavors of the same type of ice cream like it's it's the same sort of deal um hyperfixation can come in in many forms i've even in some depressive episodes i've had i've had hyperfixations on one <laughs> book, movie, music, musical artist, uh, like, song sometimes, uh, where that's the only thing that I will, like, I will just wring the serotonin out of it so that I can get through the day. Not necessarily the most healthy thing, but it's definitely happened. Um, and so it can be, it can be really difficult for people to understand, and sometimes it can be a little upsetting, um, when people go in with these really big thoughts and big emotions about a TV show or about a book um, and they find out someone else likes it and it turns out that that person likes it as a casual passing interest and you are the mega fan. Um, there have also been times where, especially in really anxious episodes of mine, um, I had like a paint by numbers of a Van Gogh painting of the sunflower painting and it was right here on my desk before I had my, my PC and I painted, this is something that was supposed to take like eight 
to 12 hours. Like, it's a pretty, pretty intense, detailed little paint by numbers. And I sat down one night and finished about three quarters of it in one go. So, hmm. Uh, did I want to spend six hours of my life sitting here at my desk? Not particularly. Did it happen? Yes, it did. Um, and these things can, I feel like a lot of people misunderstand it because they look at it as poor time management or the inability to regulate what you're doing, which isn't always the case. Sometimes it, it is really hard to nearly impossible to stop to stop interacting with whatever you're doing, with whatever media it is or with whatever anything it is. Um, and I think that people who don't experience it really don't understand it and really aren't going to at least for a while, um, until they're a little, they kind of understand and realize that people, like, this isn't just us only wanting to do one thing, this is us really having a rough time doing anything else. Um, and so right now I think my, the beginnings of a new hyperfixation for me are white collar crime. That sounds so great, that sounds so fun and not awful to say out loud, um, and so I, I've always had a fascination with it, but I keep searching for these documentaries, I keep searching for these things. And even these documentaries that have gone out, like, I've gone out of my way to make myself sad with these documentaries. Um, I, I have gone through these phases of, like, only watching true crime shows or only watching certain shows because it was just, like, completely, like, I was fixated on that even as a little kid before streaming services were around and so I had to wait for certain shows to come on at certain times. Oh, crazy, living like a pilgrim. Um, and, and so, like, when I was younger, right after I had gotten out of the hospital and I had been diagnosed with my anxiety disorder, I was about nine, so it had been a couple years, but the memory was still fresh, and um, it was still very much impacting my day-to-day -day life. I would watch these shows called I Survived Beyond and Back, or, or, or just I Survived. Um, they were on the bio channel for anyone in the U.S. who knows what I'm talking about and had Dish Network, um, you could- <laughs> these were the stories of people who almost died for some reason and then didn't, or there were people who died and then came back to life. Um, and it was a really traumatic show and it was a really depressing show because they would have these highly dramatic, very realistic reenactments of these people almost dying. And I would watch it every single day, especially at my grandmother's house for hours on end, and like it was one of the only shows I watched. And looking back I go, wow, that was definitely a hyperfixation that like wasn't good for me. <laughs> was not good for me at all, but um, okay, I guess that's what I'm doing, and I guess that that's the life I'm living. <laughs> and from then it kind of branched out into I would only watch crime shows. And the crime shows, I think I liked them, and I think they gave me a source of comfort because it felt like, no matter how bad a situation was, it was always turned right in the end. Which, now I'm older and I realize that the American police force is so completely corrupt that that's not even the case, but whatever. Um, and and so I think that, that that idea that I would be okay and I would be able to get through it and my sense of justice would be served is like what kept me so involved in those shows. And I do like them now, but it's really more as a passing interest. When I was a kid, that would be the only thing I would think about or talk about or watch. And that was not 
good. That was not good for my mental health. <laughs> Surprise! The kid watching the most traumatic television possible after going through extreme trauma shouldn't have been doing that? What the hell? Who would have thought about that? Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I think that that was really the first time that I, I had a hyperfixation that was deeply rooted within the things I had lived through. Um, what else? I had... I, my hyperfixations have started have made me take up really weird hobbies, really weird hobbies. Um, I was obsessed with the idea of becoming a micronation, and a micronation is a nation that is sovereign within another nation, and it generally has like five people living in it, like the the country of Sealand, and Sealand is a little tiny sovereign. Um, <laughs> how do I even describe what Sealand? Hang on, I have a computer. I can look it up. How do I? How do I? succinctly for all the Americans out there. The Principality of Sealand. Here, here it is. Um, located in international waters. It is a military fortress. Uh, so yeah, they've got a flag. You can buy a noble title from them. And I was obsessed, obsessed with becoming like, you know, this. <laughs> There's a bunch of other ones that, uh, that exist. There's like, oh my gosh, I used to be so, so into the idea of micronations that I could name all of them. But now that I am not, um, I actually, I started learning Danish, and this may seem unrelated, but it will make sense. Started learning Danish when I was about 12. Um, don't speak Danish. I want everyone to know that. I don't speak Danish. I just started learning it. Started learning Danish, uh, went to the, like, official government website of Denmark, which is mostly in Danish, fun fact. Um, translated what I could, found out a way to contact the Prime Minister of Denmark, and also knew that Denmark had like 670 uninhabited islands. That actually might be a gross overestimation. <laughs> uninhabited islands owned by Denmark. Uh, there's about 406. Okay, I'm sorry. I don't know where I got 670. Those are not the same number. There's about 400 in six islands in Denmark, not including the Faroe Islands or Greenland. Around 70 of them are populated, the rest are uninhabited. Okay, so I was like, well, Denmark, you've got a lot of islands you're not using. Uh, you will totally give me, a 12-year-old, the um, just an island to make a micronation. And so I emailed the Danish Prime Minister in English, and I said, hey, uh, I am Natalie, I, I am 12, and I'm learning Danish, and I was wondering could I have an island to become a micronation? If you respond back, I will write out my entire plan. Sent that off. And then at the same time, I sent an email to the Principality of Sealand, who, yes, does have a contact button on their website. And I said, hey, how did you become a micronation? Please let me know. Please let me know I am planning to become one myself. Um, I did get a response from Sealand, and the response was due to a, due to a high number of... Uh, questions received by the government of Sealand. We are not going to be responding to everyone. We may get back to you later. Thank you. Goodbye. Good. Good, good. Good on me to uh, reach out to actual government bodies and ask just for an island. Denmark never got back to me, sadly. Um, so yeah, my... The things that I've become so, like, deeply entrenched in have led me to do very embarrassing things. I was also a child, but now thinking like back on that, that I asked Denmark to just be like, like thinking Denmark would be like, yeah, we don't, 
We don't need those islands. Here, kid from America, have one. Good on me. So anyway, I just wanted to let everyone know it's fine to have a hyperfixation. Sometimes it allows you to cope with the things you're going through a little bit, a little bit more. Um, I would say if you're not, if you don't have a, if you you know you don't have any mental health problems, don't call your things hyperfixations, because they are not. Uh, that can just be a really intense interest. It is it is way different, uh, and I think that if you are really curious about it and how they differ, please, please, please go and do more research. I cannot cover the whole of hyperfixations here and today. But, yeah, I just wanted to share that embarrassing story because I was so deeply enthralled with the idea of becoming a country. Other than that, you know what? I will be letting you guys go. Um, this is all the time I have for today, so goodbye. Goodbye, my lovely, lovely listeners. If you are one of my listeners in Australia, who is currently my second highest, um, I don't know, what, what, how do I describe you? Like, streamer <laughs> country that streams my podcast um guess what i love you you're so cool you're so cool so thank you very much for that <laughs> that is that is actually super rad um and if you're any of my other listeners you know what i love you too if you're one of my friends in real life who i haven't seen guess what i miss you dearly uh if you're one of my friends who is my internet friend who i haven't met yet guess what i miss you too and even though i haven't met you yet and if you are just one of my listeners, you are special and you are loved. So thank you for existing. Eat a vegetable, watch your hands. I don't know, tell someone that you think they look nice today. And other than that, I will catch you in the next episode. Bye.